0: Welcome to Just an Average Citizen, the podcast that helps to educate, inform, and empower you to make an impact in Abilene and the big country. So welcome to this episode today. I'm so excited you've joined me. This is called a Book by the Bite. We do these on Wednesdays, and I just kind of try to give you a bite or a portion of a book that I think is important for you to read, or to at least know about. And so it would be really helpful if you would subscribe and share this episode with your friends and family so that we can get the word out about what we're trying to do here in the big country. It's really important to start learning how to have healthy conversations. And one of the ways that we do that is to become really um, aware of what is going on in the culture. And we do that through reading great books and having good conversations. You know, I used to be afraid of talking to people who might not agree with me because I was intimidated by what if I didn't have the right answer or what if I didn't know what was going on and what if I look stupid and I realized the really only way for you to get better at what you're trying to do is to put yourself in the middle of it so to be able to engage with someone who might not agree with me is the best place for me to learn and grow in the information I'm trying to pursue um, in, in becoming educated in certain areas. And so they can point out areas that I'm, I'm maybe not as well um, versed in, or they can point out maybe some flaws in my logic or thinking, or they can confirm that, wow, I have done my research and I do kind of have a good handle on what I'm talking about. So don't be afraid of going into the battle unprepared. You know, it's good to have kind of the lay of the land, but don't walk away from it because you want to be able to test the waters and see where you need to work on improving your skills. It's kind of like an athlete who plays, you know, if all you did was practice and never went and played a game with an opponent, you really can't test your skills and see how well you've um, met the challenge of what's going on. So that's what we're going to keep doing. We're going to keep pushing each other to really be uh, conduits of or the conductors of good conversations. Because every time I'm looking around what's going on in our community, a lot of things are getting um, overlooked and not addressed because there's not a really great place for us to talk about it. So I really hope I can give you some power today with to do some empowerment with today's book. It is actually called The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates. And before you start to go, I don't even really care about this book, I don't want to know. This is a short book, so this should be a one-segment a one podcast, one episode book by the bite. But I really think it's foundational to empower you to know how to respond to things that are going to come our way. You know, I've been through a lot of different um, experiences in the last week. And one of the things that God showed me is that if I stand up and do the right thing, I'm going to see his provision in the days ahead. Because a lot of times our culture says, don't do it, it'll cost you everything. And sometimes it does. But then there's this amazing factor that most people don't um, considers that as God is our provider, and when we stand up and do the right thing, he's going to come in and um, bring us the things we need to equip us and prepare us for the battles we have to face ahead. And part of the reason we're in this soft place is because we have not been doing the right thing. We've not been battling well for the hearts and the minds of people through bringing our influence into the culture. And so it's not about, you know, being political. It's not about being, um, you know, overbearing. It's about there are people vying for your attention and um, acceptance of their ideas. And for um, those who are, have a biblical worldview or those who are, are um, pursuing the life God has called us to, if we kind of bow out and don't offer our input, insight, and wisdom that we've learned along the way, then there's a huge void going on. And don't worry, the secularists, the humanists, the godless people who are trying to figure out how to take over the world, they're going to they're going to have their say, and and maybe that's a little extreme. They're not trying to take over the world, but people who don't understand that all all things come from God, they're going to be living a different life. So they've been having free reign into the, the culture and the conversations in the culture for a long time. So let's take that back, and let's just begin to offer what we know to be the most valuable truth, and that is God's Word. And so this book is going to be a great way to get that started. So uh, it's a small book. If you want to invest in reading a small book that— makes you feel kind of excited about what's going on, this is a great one. And that's probably why it's such a short book by the bite, because it is not a long one. And I will say if you get through the first half of the book, it's great. The second half kind of um, reiterates what the first half says. So I'm going to try and show you what I've learned from this book, and what I think some great takeaways are from you. This is written by Matthew Truella. It's a proper resistance to tyranny and a repudiation of unlimited obedience to civil government. And you know, I didn't really have any grid for this before the 2020 year of COVID and the election and and all the things where we started getting inundated with, you know, to love your neighbor is to do whatever it takes to protect them, you know, to um, honor God. Is Romans 13 is to do whatever the government tells you to do or respect everybody who who's an authority over you because authority has been placed by God. And, and, you know, there's this tension we walk in. Yes, we have to respect those in authority, but sometimes they're going to require us to do things that are not right. And how are we going to move forward? Are we just going to sit and twiddle our thumbs and think, oh, wow, this is not right. I should do something. But Romans 13 says I'm supposed to submit, you know, I'm supposed to to let God be in control. Or is God raising you up to be the conduits of change that bring about the righteousness he desires for our community? All right, so let's get started. Okay, the introduction, um, there's about 12 chapters, I think, in this book. And so I think this quotation is a good one to start off with. It says, unknowingly, Americans have accepted the role of Huxley's servant-minded people for decades. Okay, so I, I... Aldous Huxley, in his book Brave Brave New World, wrote a citizenry of slaves who would love their enslavement. Huxley writes, a really efficient totalitarian state would be one in which the all-powerful executive of political bosses and their armies of managers control a population of slaves who do not have to be coerced because they love their servitude. So unknowingly, Americans have accepted this role. We don't have to be coerced because we we love our servitude of Huxley's Servant-Minded People for Decades. This is due in part to the fact that people of comfort intend to avoid conflict. And so this is a place where you can go, Um, yes, that's me. And I'll just let you know, most people want to avoid conflict because we have lost the ability to Conflict, well, conflict is not a problem. In fact, it is an opportunity for us to engage in more um, in-depth conversations. Conflict is being confused with being argumentative or hostile. Those things we don't want to be. But we can have conflict is going to happen. If you live in existence with another person, you're going to have conflict. So we have decided to take the easy road and just avoid conflict at all costs. And it has been det- detrimental and it's been devastating to our our society in America. Okay, so um, it says in the past, the pulpits in our nation instructed the people in purpose, functions, and limitations of the state. Many pastors preached every year what became known as the election and artillery sermons. These sermons were routinely preached during the first hundred years of our nation. Clergymen understood and taught their congregation that God's word addressed all matters of life, including the matters of civil government. So what (coughs) I really appreciate about this book, having read another book since I've read this book, it's called the Black Robe Regiment, and are bringing back the Black Robe Regiment. Or I got to put it in the middle so it'll be focused. Bringing back the Black Robe Regiment, and this book is full of examples of how the clergymen of the day actually taught about our government in their sermons, and um, they actually used the sermons to teach people about why we needed to declare independence and why we needed a revolution. And that would be unheard of today, to have a pastor um, instructing people to revolt against the the government or the tyranny that is um, forcing us to live in oppressive ways. You just can't imagine it. And that's why they call the Black Road Regiment, because a lot of times these pastors would preach on Sundays, and then they would grab their arms and head off to um, fight the revolution. And, and so there's lots of rich history that we can learn through the sermons of our pre-revolutionary era. But however, it, as it says here today, however, most pulpits are silent about God's word when it comes to civil government. In fact, most just teach unlimited obedience to the state as though there are no limitations to the state's rules. By default, they teach whatever the civil, civil, civil government rules legislatively is therefore the will of God. And I've seen this happen here locally. You know, we're always trying to figure out where this applies to us here in the big country. And I remember when I started realizing that there was uh, there was smut in our public libraries in the children's sections. And we were really doing our children a disservice by exposing them to these um, adult content at an early age where um, they weren't mature enough to be able to handle it and I, I I joined a group of parents who were like we need to get this out of the library so they went and approached the mayor and one city councilman I believe and they tried to get something resolved there and there was really no path forward and the, the city government didn't really seem to care about these books or do anything about it. So the parents then went to the public and started declaring in public what they had said in private. And what was sad is instead of going, wow, we really need to resolve this, the city um, government took a, a really hard stance and said, listen, this is not our problem. This is the parents' problem and you have to monitor what your kids do. And we don't have to protect the public spaces from being, um, potentially, uh, destructive places for our children it's the parents job to take care of it and they really double down their position and saying this is the you know first amendment rights we've got to protect those and and all this stuff. And and really, it was like, where are the leaders standing up to protect our kids? Because there are things that are in, available in our children, young adults section. They call it young adults. It's really the 12 to 17 section that are so vile. I, I would never want my husband to even read it. And he's a grown man. I don't want him to have those thoughts and those things. Um, just the the violence and the abuse of drugs and, and and sex and all those things that are allowed because they're fictional stories for kids, it just shocks me. And that's where I started wondering, why are these? I thought, you know, oh, let's get around. Let's all part, Let's all stand together. And I realized there was very few willing to stand because they didn't understand what it meant to stand. They thought, that's not my job until someone tells me it's legal or until someone says it's okay. I'm just going to wait because my hands are tied. The law says my hands are tied. And it was just like, are we living in bizarre world, you know? that he, an adult would allow the violation of a child to happen under his care? Or would we want to stop those books from getting in? And and that just led me on this journey to where I am now. So I understand more now that it's it's hard for adults to understand these things, but it doesn't mean we're not responsible for our actions. The authority of the state does have limits. Okay, let me come up here. I'm trying to give you the highlights, but the the clergyman that I talked about um was ever present in the Revolutionary War area. ERA, the Reverend William Gordon of Roxbury, Massachusetts, preached regularly regarding such men in 1794 when he declared, Though the partisans of arbitrary power will freely censure the preacher who speaks boldly for the liberties of people they will admire as an excellent divine, the parsons whose discourse is wholly in the opposite and teaches that magistrates have a divine right for doing wrong and are to be implicitly obeyed, men professing Christianity as if the religion of the blessed Jesus bound them to bow their necks to any tyrant we're not required to bow our knee to any authority we're only to bow those who honor well let's get into that i won't i won't split hairs here but it says the authority of the state has limits america's present-day pulpits need to repent of their idolatrous views regarding the state true christianity produces liberty okay and so it talks about even how those who hated christianity understood that the we the english owe the whole freedom to their cons uh, uh Oh, the whole freedom of their constitution. Um, okay. So let's look here. Thankfully, America's founders established three well-known boxes by which we can preserve liberty and resist tyranny. They are the ballot box, the jury box, and the cartridge box. The ballot box provides opportunity to remove unjust rulers through the vote. And we have an election coming up, um, a primary on March 5th, where we have the chance to vote in who we want to represent us. The jury box provides citizens not only the right to judge the facts in a case, but to judge the law itself. The jury can determine whether a law is misapplied or can find a law have, can find a law unjust or immoral altogether, the jury can acquit on either basis re- either basis regardless of what the judge or jury instructions say. The cartridge box refers to an armed citizenry. citizenry sorry, America's founders knew that an armed citizenry not only helps repeal an invading foreign force, but also check, acts as a check against tyranny from our own government. But a lesser-known tool, which the Founders themselves employed, is the doctrine of the lesser magistrates. The lesser magistrates' doctrine provides the best means to reign in higher authority that has spurned its limitations. The doctrine of the lesser magistrates is rooted in Scripture and found throughout the history of mankind. The doctrine offers great hope to a nation of people who groan under the yoke of tyrannical behavior by the state. This book spends little time to cry in darkness. Rather, this book is meant to bring hope and encouragement. It places the hands of those uh, places within the hands of those concerned about our nation a blueprint, a means by which a stand can be made against federal government that has trampled our constitution, assaults our person, liberty, and property, and impugns the law of God. The doctrine of the lesser magistrate provides a legitimate and proper means to restore order and resist tyranny. History has proven that peasants' revolts are easily put down by the state the lesser magistrate doctrine is effective in quelling abuses by higher authority and does so often without the shedding of blood you know i just remembered i have most of the books um that i have read to you on a book by the bite so far i've actually tried to read excerpts and present it to the city council so they got the first round um, i have a little bit more time to do it here but Let's start here with the doctrine defined. It's a fancy word for something very, in, uh, very simple. Um, you're supposed to stand up when things are not right. So I love this story about this um, Publius Petronius was a Roman governor and he wanted a statue of the emperor. Um, he had a statue of the emperor made in Sidon and prepared his troops. Uh, to go to Patal uh, while he wintered in Ptolemaeus and he wanted it put in Jerusalem. So, the, to the Jews, the statue was a severe affront to their religion. They sent numerous delegations to protest this statue being put in Jerusalem. But he was, and so Patronus was so moved by the reasoning of their protest that he wrote to Caligula that he would not enforce his order, and entreated the emperor to annul it. Good news. They they pleaded with their leaders, and the leaders said, "You know what? I'm not going to enforce it." However. Um, when Emperor Caligula received the letter from Governor Patronus, he became outraged and ordered Patronus to commit suicide. Soon, however, Caligula was assassinated by his Patriot patronian guards. Fortunately for Petronius, the ship carrying the order for him to commit suicide arrived after the ship carrying the news of the emperor's assassination, and the statue was never placed in the temple. Okay, so what was... um uh, So the lesser magistrate doctrine declares that when... A um, superior or higher civil authority makes an unjust immoral law or decree. The lesser or lower ranking civil authority has both a right and a duty to refuse obedience to a superior authority. If necessary, the lesser authorities even have the right and obligation to actively resist the superior authority. For example, if Congress, the President, or the U.S. Supreme Court makes an unjust or moral law or decree, a state legislator or governor could stand in defiance of their unjust law or decree and refuse to obey or implement it. Hello, COVID. Do you remember how that went? Those lesser magistrates could, in fact, actively oppose such a law or decree even a city council or mayor could appropriately defy an unjust law or decree handed down by any higher authority. A memorable statement that serves as a summary for the doctrine of lesser magistrate actually came from a higher magistrate, Romer Emperor, Emperor Trajan, while appointing a subordinate authority, handed him a sword and instructed him saying, use a sword against my enemies if I give righteous commands. But if I give unrighteous commands, use it against me. Okay, so it's a protective way to stand up against unrighteous Authority. For example, um, let's see, the nobles who stood in the field of Runnymede in England to take King King John's tyranny, tyranny to task in the year 1215 were Christian men. These lesser magistrates forced the tyrant king to sign a treaty acknowledging certain rights for men. The Magna Carta stood in defiance of tyranny and oppression and made it clear that the state has limitations and that all are subject to law, even government officials. The great document, document Magna Carta was the product of Christian culture. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I learned it. So even Calvin spoke of the lesser magistrate doctrine in his Institutes of the Christian Religion. Amazingly, he did not appeal to scripture in his support of it, rather his appeal began he appealed to pagan historical examples. But other reformers did give a scriptural foundation to the doctrine. Okay, so let's look here. Let me see if this was um, the teaching. So we're gonna. This is a little heavy. Hang with me. We're gonna get to some stories that I think you'll really appreciate. The teaching by Christian men about the leg- lesser magistrate, God's sovereignty, covenant, the nature of man, and the church government shaped the views of Western civilization that birthed constitutional governments. We are the product about the teaching of the lesser magistrates our country is. In what would become the United States, the lesser magistrate doctrine had a huge impact upon the thinking of our founders and upon our nation's people regarding government and law. Today, however, neither the magistrates nor the people know of this doctrine as Americans' uh, pietistic-infected pulpits have long been silent regarding it. Historically, the practice of the church has been when the state commands... that which God forbids, or forbids that which God commands. Men have a duty to obey God rather than man. The Bible clearly teaches this principle. The lesser magistrate is to apply this principle to his office as magistrate. When an unjust decree is made by a higher authority, the lesser magistrate must choose to either join the higher magistrate in his rebellion against God, Or stand with God in opposition to the unjust or immoral decree. And like I use the example of the books, we know that it is unjust and people will say it's unjust. The problem is we have what's called an obscenity clause and that obscenity clause excuses any kind of education material from being restrained from what it presents in its material. So if it's not educational, it can't produce, you can't share that stuff. I've used this example before if I as a teacher wanted to read a book to the children in school and it was pornographic it talked about gang rape or it talked about using drugs or um, all the things that that our culture I mean talked about um, uh, if if I wanted to read a book about uh, human trafficking with a minor I could read that to my students in the classroom However, if school ends and I wanted to continue reading that book, I could go across the street to the local coffee shop, have the same group of kids sit around me and listen to that book. And in that location, I could be taken to jail for exposing our kids to obscenities. And I won't go into this, but obscenity is um, just a, a watered down word from what we used to use. Uh, you know, obscenity actually is actually the real word. Purient is where it's excessive interest in sex, but but purient is watered down where I'm, I'm going off into the weeds here. Sorry. We've watered down, and so we have this clause that allows schools to be indoctrinated, infiltrated with all this inappropriate material through third-party institutions like Planned Parenthood and other things. They get to have access to our kids in the schools through the subsidy clause. And we try, we there was a bill to repeal it last um, in the 88th legislature, but it didn't make it through. Um, I don't even know if it got out of committee. We've been trying to fix this problem that's been established a long time ago, and so we know that the law is unjust, but no one will stand in defiance of it because they don't want to break the law. And that's what we're talking about here. Okay, rooted in interposition. So this is another fancy word that you're going to learn. The doctrine of the lesser magistrate is rooted in the historical biblical doctrine of interposition. Interposition is the calling of God which, one, which causes one to step into the gap, willingly placing oneself between the oppressor and his intended victim, Interposition is just demonstrated when someone or some group interposes or positions themselves between an oppressor and the intended victim. This can be done um, this can be done verbally or physically. okay, so back to Petronius to fight Caligula. he was performing an act of interposition. he actually called the Jews to meet with him in Tiberius when the Jews arrived, they were horrified to see his army, two legions of Sybil, before him. The Jews stood on one side. <clears throat> And Petronius stepped between, and and the army on the other. And Petronius stepped between them. He then said to the Jews that this army was assembled under the authority of Caligula, who ordered the army to war against and destroy them. If for his instance was made having the image placed in the temple. But he went on to say, "I love this 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 little." Monologue. Yet I do not think it is just to have such a regard to my own safety and honor as to refuse to sacrifice them his own safety and honor for your preservation, who are so many in number and endeavor to preserve the regard that is due your law, which as it has come down to you from your forefathers, so do you esteem it worthy of your utmost contention to preserve it. Nor with the supreme assistance and power of God will I be so hardy as to suffer your temple to fall in contempt by the means of the imperial authority. I will therefore send to Caligula and let him know that what your resolutions are, and he will assist you as far as I am able, that you may not be exposed to suffer on the account of the honest designs you have proposed to yourselves. And may God be your assistant, for His authority is beyond all the contrivance and power of men. He took that position and said, "Listen." I understand what you want, and I understand the rule. The law is unjust, and is or is in contradiction to what you can do by your traditions and the power of your God. So I will fight as much as I can to prevent this from happening. Um, the interposition of the lesser magistrate requires a willingness to risk, risk personal security for the sake of justice. Such risk is paramount to the lesser magistrate doctrine. Okay, so in America, an example of interposition took place. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to look and see. I have one little page that I didn't put. Okay, yes, this is what I wanted to do. I didn't want to show it to you. I just wanted to quickly run through it. Scripture and history are loaded with interposition. For example, when the midwives prevented all the male Jews, uh, the male uh, the male Hebrews, there we go, newborns from being killed, they interposed for the babies. Um, also, we had... Um, in 1 Samuel chapter fourteen, King Saul made a foolish decree saying, "No one can eat until we win the battle." And of course, what happened is that Jonathan ate, and the people actually interposed for Jonathan so his dad wouldn't kill him. And then, in the fourth century, the church Ambrose interposed on behalf of righteousness when he blocked the churchman Ambrose interposed on behalf of righteousness when he blocked the doors of the church to refuse Emperor Theodosius entry. Theodosius had unjustly killed 7,000 people in Thessalonica as a reprisal for certain men in the city having killed some Roman officers. Ambrose stood in the doorway of the church and denied the emperor access until he publicly repented and made restitution. Theodosius did repent and made restitution. And then um, also, um, to Suscels, Romania. This is the one I I tell people this all the time and it just made such an impact on me. He was... um, it was 1989 and the revolution began in, in Romania and the people of the church learned of their pastors impending arrest and gathered to blockade the doors of the church to interpose on his behalf and resist his arrest. Because once you're arrested, you were never heard from again. The secret police sent to arrest Laszlo Tokas was accustomed to compliance. When the people blocked the doors, they were stunned by these actions and merely parked their cars down the street to wait the people out. So they just waited them out. They knew they would get him eventually. As word spread, however, more people arrived to blockade the pastor. Within a few days, a thousand people surrounded the church and would not leave. News of this spread to the other areas, a nationwide revolution broke out. Two weeks later, um, Chachis and his wife lay dead on the palace steps. Their two-decade reign of terror was brought to an end. So did you hear that? People refused to let their pastor be arrested. Two weeks later, the regime was gone and the leaders were dead. It took one man standing up to inspire other people to come and join him and it, they took down an entire regime in their interposition. In America, an example of interposition took place in the 1980s and, 99s, and 1990s when tens of thousands of people were arrested at abortion clinics for blockading the doors, interposing on behalf of the helpless pre-born threatened with brutal death. When the press questioned the legitimacy of such acts, they were informed by those involved. They were simply simply practicing the historic Christian doctrine of imposition. And it's crazy now where faith, we know that there are people who've been praying and singing at... Um, Abortion clinics and are, are um, sentenced, I believe, to 11 years for praying and singing in abortion clinics in, in our country in the year 2024. It's ridiculous what's going on because no one will stand up and stop the unjust laws. And so it's gone to a point where if you sing and pray in front of an abortion clinic, you can be taken to jail for more than a decade. Historical American Jewish jurisprudence recognizes the doctrine of the lesser lesser magistrate is rooted in the doctrine of interposition. Black Law's Dictionary defines interposition as the doctrine that a state in the exercise of its sovereignty may reject a mandate of the federal government deemed to be unconstitutional or to exceed the powers delegated to the federal government. The concept, sorry, the concept is based on the 10th Amendment of the Constitution of the United States, reserving to the state's powers not delegated to the United States. So, America's founders, however, understood that the acts of interposition were not dependent upon favorable rulers by the higher authority. The founding of our nation was an act of interposition by a lesser magistrate. The Declaration of Independence what, being the pinnacle. So, our country was founded by being an, a de- having the doctrine. This is going to pick up because these first few chapters are pretty heavy, and then we'll get through the other ones pretty quickly. I've got to wrap it up. All right. All authorities delegated. God has established four realms of government to which he delegates authority. They are self-government. Family government, church government, and civil government, each has its own role, function, and jurisdiction. If one invades the jurisdiction of the other, chaos or tyranny ensues. The authority of an individual possesses in any one of these four realms of government is delegated authority. In other words, they derive their authority from God. Their authority is not autonomous or unconditional. Their authority is God given, and thus they have the duty to govern in accordance with all his with his role, in accordance with his rule. In his writing, Salisbury, so um, John of Salbers, Sal, Salisbury, in his monumental work, Policraticus, a, a written in 1159, talked about the state's authority being delegated authority. He says that the states plainly, uh, Salisbury states plainly that the king is a king precisely because he rules in fear of the Lord and according to his law. When the king makes long's law contrary to God's law, he becomes a tyrant. I love that. And we have some people being tyrants right now, even in all levels of government. Unfortunately, many people today are unconsciously schooled in statism. They think the authority of civil government is absolute and limitless. They think they have rights and laws, that the rights and laws originate with the state. An example of this is the United Nations Universal Declaration of Human Rights. God is nowhere acknowledged in this declaration. That's because statists believe that the state is the originator of law and rights. Such thinking, however, stands in stark contrast to America's Declaration of Independence, which recognizes rights are given of God to men. We have a, a, a proposition I believe, on the ballot for March 5th that says that we want to establish parents' rights. And I used to be okay with that, but I remembered, oh my gosh, wait a minute. The, the government doesn't tell us what rights we have. God tells us what rights we have. We are enabled by, we are um, endowed by, created with unenabled rights. And the state, the government, is to protect those rights. So if we allow the state to define what defines what rights parents have, then we have surrendered our God-given rights to the rights of the state and we don't want to do that so we need to vote no and I know that most people will still vote yes because we forget how indoctrinated people are in making laws that reflect that the government gives us laws or gives us the rights not God and it's a simple mistake that we've made for a long time and we've got to right that ship or we're going to be in trouble all right chapter four the duty of the lesser magistrates duty is that which a person owes to another or by which a person is bound to another by any natural moral law a lawful obligation to perform. Duty is any action required by one's position or moral or lawful considerations. Okay, you cannot hide beside the excuse. So, um, oh, I'm going to see if I can look at this real quick. Yeah, here you go. The primary duty of lesser magistrates regarding the doctrine of lesser magistrates is threefold. First, you're to oppose and resist any laws or edicts from higher authority that can count, contravene the law or the word of God. Those who lead children astray. Are prescribed a millstone around their neck and being thrown into the sea. I think that's pretty contradictory to God's law to continue to expose our kids to the vile that's in some of these public books. Okay, second, they're to protect the person, liberty, and property of those who reside within their jurisdiction from any unjust or moral laws or action by the higher authority third they are not to implement any laws or decrees made by the higher authority that violate the constitution and if necessary resist them they cannot hide behind the excuse i'm just doing my job or i'm just following the law of the land as i've heard my hands are tied no they're not The duty of the lesser magistrate is to uphold that which is right in the sight of God and protect the people where his local authority or function resides. This is a sacred duty. We define it as sacred because it is founded in Scripture and proceeds from God. When we speak of lesser magistrates, we're usually talking about a more local authority. Whatever the local authority may be, its jurisdiction is smaller than the higher authority that legislate an unjust or moral decree. Whether a governor or a state legislator standing in defiance of the president or Congress or Supreme Court, or whether a mayor or city council standing in defiance of a governor or Congress or state legislator, the authority of the lesser magistrate is more local than the higher magistrate. <clears throat> There's other areas we've been battling this within our city, and I won't go there now because of uh, for sake of time. The lesser magistrates in America today need to be reminded that a magistrate who upholds or follow an unjust or moral law becomes complicit in the higher authority's rebellion against God. Okay, so this is interesting. The, lesser, the, um, the following list demonstrates why resistance by lesser magistrate is wise and necessary to turn back acts of tyranny by the higher authority. Remember, once somebody decides not to obey God, they become tyrants. It's that black and white. Lesser magistrates already possess lawful, God-given authority, which they may invoke. Lesser magistrates have been supported by many in their successful bid to achieve office. Therefore, they have an established power base of popular support already in place. Lesser magistrates usually have constitutional precedent and law on their side, so that, in other words, there is some heritage or history to to which they can appeal. Lesser magistrates already have access to public forum by which they can articulate the particulars of the grievances involved. Lesser magistrates, by virtue of their office, are able to address the pain of conscience, doubt, and indecision of the people when they see tyranny developing in their nation and see the need for resistance. People respond... honorable and authoritative leadership so they recognize the lesser magistrates god-given authority to resist the unjust immoral law and can rally behind them lesser magistrates can provide relief refuge protection and support for the distressed more readily than can ordinary individuals becoming by their office an instrument of temporal deliverance salvation for the distressed this institutionalized deliverance a theme reiterated in scripture repeatedly this is repeated in scripture repeatedly Lesser magistrates can strike terror into the hearts of the oppressors. Lesser magistrates have the best chance of resolving injustice without upheaval or bloodshed. God declares a willingness to support such magistrates in their capacity and office as they represent what God instituted government to be a picture of true justice to culture and citizenry at large. Now remember, just because you are, uh, you can be a lesser magistrate without an official title for sure. All right, so let's go here. Um, Standard for law. Um, Blackstone, who is the kind of the father of American law, he was in, an Englishman, but uh, so much of his um, wisdom was utilized in our country. Blackstone went on to say, Man considered as a creature must be necessarily be subject to the laws of his creator, for he is entirely a dependent being. Blackstone was simply acknowledging what Western man knew to be true. The law of God was the objective standard for Western civilization. So to say that Christian nation. You know, that is a distraction and it shuts down conversation because our whole civilization in this part of the world was based on the rule of God or the, the laws of God. Yes, it was the objective standard. Okay, if there's no objective standard to judge the purpose and limits of the state, then the state can do whatever it pleases because the people will not know any different. If a citizenry, citizenry, a citizenry does not know the purpose, function, and limitations of the state, which we are totally ignorant of right now, then the state can do whatever it wants to do because the citizenry doesn't realize anything improper is being done. Hello, mask mandate. Hello, stay at home. Those were all imp, uh, imp uh, force that forced us to do things the state did not have to do and it was all walked back but we we complied because we are obedient we're like oh they told us to stay home we better stay home no we didn't have to do any of that and all their all the logic they presented to us was flawed and, and and untrue and they and they haven't walked that back yet either okay for there to be any indignation towards acts of tyranny by the state one must be able to identify tyranny remember tyranny is anyone who does not obey the law of god when objective standard is thrown off, law is easily and constantly redefined by the state and society. Man's passions and desires begin to determine what is lawful. Man makes himself the standard becomes the nature of man. The standard changes all of the time. For this reason, an objective standard of law is always and everywhere necessary, one which does not change and which is applicable to all mankind. What every society needs is the moral law of God. His law is an objective standard. His law is an objective truth. He is the creator of all. He knows best how we are to be governed. He declares what is right and what is wrong. His law, truth, is not subjective. Rather, it is objective. Chapter 6, The Rules of Law and Lesser Magistrates blowing through this. We're almost done. Early Christian men took a stand and defined the state when it crossed its limitations. As a result, many early Christians suffered martyrdom because they would not obey the state, That had exceeded its God-given authority. They also constructed thought as how a godly society should be structured. The persuasion of their thinking resulted in Christians overturning the greatest empire of the world, Rome. From there, Christianity, which breeds liberty, spread across the Western world, freeing nations from the tyranny of the strongest and most brutal. Christianity established the rule of law in Western civilization. The rule of law is crumbling in America and thought... Throughout the West today, 50 years ago, abortion was illegal, in most of society—and now it's even longer. Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, it's been longer. Most of society thought the prospect of murdering their own son or daughter in the womb to be abhorrent. Now it is considered a right by law to do so, which was not true because it was never made law with uh, much of the society indifferent towards it. Just 20 years ago, homosexual acts were illegal. Most society considered it filthy behavior. Now it's decriminalized and pandered, paraded down the streets of America without even a whimper from the populist. Brother, many Americans now cheer homosexuals on as churches sit by in silence and are busy rewriting 2,000 years of biblical interpretation in order to accommodate the acceptance of homosexuality. And I think that tide is turning, which is good, <clears throat> because we need to take a stand and return back to the, uh, the the laws of God. Man fails to recognize that in refusing to be governed by God, he ends up being ruled by tyrants. Because man wants to throw off the law of God, the civil government then has the green light to make up law on a whim. Those in power are arrogantly redefined right and wrong, truth and error, good and evil. Because man wants to throw off the law of God, only misery and despair lie ahead for Western man. The duty to resist Unjust law is the product of Christian thought. Our loyalty is to Christ first, not man, not the state. So when the civil government makes unjust or immoral laws or policies, when we obey Christ, not the state, Christianity acts as a check to tyranny. The whole of society should be thankful for the preservation of liberty that Christianity engenders. Christians are the best of citizens. We obey the state and are productive in commerce. We disobey the state only when they make unjust or immoral law. We have a salvage effect upon society as a whole. Chapter 7, Mag- Ber- Magiburg and the Lesser Magistrates the Magdeburg Confession is an important historical work because the pastors of Magiburg were the first in the history of mankind to set forth in a doctrinal format what only later came to be known as the Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates. Though many men acted in accordance with this doctrine prior to Christ, showing that the doctrine is not only found in special revelation but also in general revelation, also referred to as nature, and though many Christian men acted in accordance with it subsequent to Christ's time on earth, it wasn't formalized as a doctrine until the reformers of the 16th century made it such. Then rightly, they rightly assert that all authority is delegated from God. Therefore, if one in authority makes commands contrary to the word, the law or the word of God, those subject to his authority have both the right to not obey and a duty to actively resist. Um, So John Knox, Holy Scripture and the Lesser Magistrates. Let's see what's in this one. They played the common song. Okay. Okay. He's talking about at a school board meeting where they'd gathered to pose a bad policy the elected school board was implementing. The board is imposing the acceptance of homosexuality upon the students. They played the common song telling us that their hands were tied. Literally, I've heard that so many times here in Abilene. Their hands are tied. They can't do anything. And now we know this is untrue. They have the ability to do something. They just don't want to take the heat for it. And they're willing to let other people rise to the challenge. And we've got to shift that. We've got to be leading The charge on how we return back to the principles of God rather than waiting for someone else to do it for us, which was just following federal law and were powerless to do other than what they were commanded and expected to do. This is false. They actually had a duty to stand against the bad law and refuse to implement it, to interpose on behalf. Like I know we have a transgender cheerleader at Abilene High School. We should say, no, that's not okay. But yet we do. And the reason why I know about it is my husband flew on an airplane with him and I've, I've seen him in the parade and those are things that are not okay. It's not okay. And we can say, no, it's not okay. You don't have to, you can't do that here, but we have failed to understand that we have the power to do that. Um, to impose on behalf of students and parents whose children will be corrupted by this bad policy, but they showed no fear of God, no concern for those parents on their children. Rather, they hid behind the common song of, We are not kings, we must simply obey, whether it good or bad. Take that up with those who made the law. They should have interposed. They had a God-given duty and right to interpose. When lesser magistrates go rogue... When tyranny presents itself, almost never do the lesser magistrates stand and resist. Whether the oppression and tyranny comes from the higher magistrate, from the other magistrates. Even when some lesser magistrates take a stand, usually the majority will go along with the tyranny. This is how things always go. When good becomes evil and evil becomes in good in a nation, most go long to get along. That's what sustained Hitler's Germany and Stalin's Russia. And I know we're not on that same level, but I remember when I asked about an ordinance that's been on the books since 1986 and asked the city manager and the city council, why they weren't enforcing it. They said, because we don't have to because it, the Texas, uh, uh, the state law or something. I can't even remember what the reason was now. And so then I went to the police chief and I said, why, why is it still on the books? if it's not going to be enforced. And he's like, oh, I, he didn't have an answer for me. And it's like, it's because they're not going to take it off because they don't want to deal with the public outcry of what they're going to have to deal with. But it's still on the books. And they should, if they don't think it's right, then they should take it off. If it doesn't meet the law, currently, it should be removed, but they won't do anything. And then they just shut down the people who are saying, why aren't you standing up for us? Why do you always protect the minorities who are the majority of abling? gets neglected so that the minority can be protected. It does not make sense at all. The people's hope is that the lesser magistrates, everyone, will understand their God-given right and duty to interpose, stand in the gap. When oppression and tyranny raise its ugly head, the people must then rally around those lesser magistrates who actually do stand. And we've made a difference. You know, the lesser magistrates have stood up. We've called City Hall. We got them to shut down a drag show that was family-friendly, and they... um they said no children allowed because no minors under 18 they responded to us we have made a difference when um when we heard they were going to mend a ballot uh, pa- a pa- a, a, a ordinance that was passed at the ballot, we called up and said, this is not right. And it bothered them. And they did not want to have to deal with the outcry. We are making a difference, but we have to stand up. And we have to learn when to stand up and who who wants it. Uh, like, we can't just stand up for all. Well, we have to stand up for all the things, but we have to be coordinated and work together. Because if we do it in, in isolation, then they think it's just a one man show. But what they don't know is there are many people who are standing or wanting to stand up, they just haven't been given permission. It. so here's your official permission to join me join me in being the lesser magistrates require elected officials to do the right thing let's not allow what's been going on to go on because we don't want to rock the boat we have to start rocking the boat and the role of the people in chapter 11 and then the last one is the lesser magistrates doctrine in our day so i just wanted to get through those last chapters so you could see um that we, we need to make a difference in our whole nation. That's the ultimate goal. But right now we can make a difference in Abilene and we can require our city officials to stand up. And I think it's really fun. Our city officials didn't really want to stand up to the men and the adults, dress, um, dress, uh, the men who dress like women and the adults who want to do um, period material in front of children. And they didn't want to stand up to it. But a business said, I don't want to put up with it. So they shut it down. They did shut down one um, about a year ago. Yes, it was. That was called family friendly, but they shut it down. They don't want to deal with it. And so I think it's interesting that then not much later um, of the local uh, pride group um, joined in um, with four other plaintiffs in the state of Texas to sue the state of Texas, Taylor County and Abilene, um, the city of Abilene for SB 12, which uh, was passed last summer, that saying that, um, you know, you cannot do period material uh, sexually explicit material in front of children. And they, they sued the state, they sued the city and our local adults who are crying out saying, you have to let us do this in front of kids. They're offended because I believe the city, I'm not sure I looked, the city would not let them do their drag show at the zoo anymore. And, um, which had children in it, which had children putting dollar bills in grown adults, um, clothing at the, festival gardens uh, two years uh, two years ago and they stopped that and so the now they're suing the city because it can't be in front of children now they'll say it's it's suppressing their ability to make money isn't it interesting that men adults who want to do sexually explicit material can't make money unless they can do it in front of kids they say it oppresses their first amendment right again we don't have the right to be expose you know you don't have the right to go kill another person just because you want to that's called murder you know there's laws against that oops there's laws against that you don't have the right to do whatever you want to there are rights and as a nation built on the word of god we have some wrong ra- you're not going to mess with kids and you can't do that and it's just interesting the city didn't want to deal with it so um i feel like there's some interesting perspective in having um, a lawsuit brought to their attention where they now have to stand for it and i know it's going to go on a while and we're going to see what happens um it's it's been going on longer than i want but it's it's hard watching godly men and uh, godly men who you know want to serve him and they won't stand up in the way that you think is the the righteous way to stand up and and it's like part of it is until you know better you can't do better right and so i think as we continue to press in and say this is what we require of you then they can start to respond better i hope that's my prayer 'Cause I don't think they're bad people. I don't think they're out to do horrible things, but I do think they have taken a cowardly position on many stances, including the Sanctuary City for the Unborn Ordinance, because they didn't vote on it. They just passed it to the ballot and they didn't even they weren't willing to take it up on their own. They were forced to put it on the agenda so that it could go to the ballot. So there's been some positions that I've really been disappointed that they haven't taken the stand that I would believe that people who are God fearing men and men would do. Um but they haven't. And so that's why I think this is important. And that's why I'm so grateful for this tiny, tiny, powerful book. I know it was a lot of information. I know it's heavy. I know it's academic in some ways. But once you understand the power that you hold as a lesser magistrate, because, you know, the city council is a lesser magistrate to the county. The county is a lesser magistrate to the state. The state is a lesser magistrate to the the federal government. And that's all where it stops because we don't have a world global government <laughs> that can enforce us to do anything that our our nation doesn't allow. But anyway, so that's that. Um, So let's learn what our job is. And when we see something wrong, don't just go, well, we have to wait until we can have an election for it. No, we can push against um, bad laws. How do you think they overturned other laws that were bad? Did they just wait around until, did slavery end because they just waited around until they said it was no longer legal? No, it had to be overturned. It had to be resisted. We had lesser magistrates standing up and fighting for it. So I hope that encourages you. I hope that gives you permission. To fight the good fight and to recognize that, like it said, uh, Christians actually bring about a better environment for most people. And I think that's what we got to remember is that it's not that we're trying to force people to live like we want them to live. We're just knowing that our way of life really improves the quality of life for everybody around us and that's a good thing so let's keep at it um remember that uh this is a great podcast to share with your an episode to share with your family and friends because many people don't understand the power we have to stand up against tyranny and remember tyranny is just as simple as anyone who defies god anyone who doesn't want to obey the laws of god is a tyrant and we can stand against that and so let's continue to educate ourselves to be informed and be empowered to make an impact in abilene in the big country because we if no one else does it it. there's no one coming but for our backup we, there's no plan b so let's do it let's do it together and i look forward to seeing how we can make a greater impact in our city don't forget vote on march 5th before march 5th early voting is february 20th to march 1st regular voting days march 5th vote and show up at the primaries and make it your voice heard because it matters and so until next time